0: Hi, and welcome to Data Hack Radio. In this podcast, we talk to various data science leaders and data science practitioners about their work and their journey. This is Kunal, your host for Data Hack Radio. In this episode, we will talk to Terry Singh. Terry is a neuroscientist and is doing phenomenal work in deep learning. He is also a mentor to deeplearning.ai students and works with some of the top CEOs across the world implement their AI and ML strategies. Thanks, Terry, for, uh, you know, taking time out uh, for this interview. And uh, as I said, I know you've been traveling a lot in the last few days. Uh, So thanks for taking time out and uh, spending time with our community. I'm uh, really excited to talk to you, wanted to know about uh, some of the work which you are doing. And I'm sure the Mm -hmm. community members would uh, love to hear that from you. So yeah. uh, you know, first thing first, uh, if you can tell us about you know your background, uh, your experience, and how did you get into deep learning field? Because you you are sitting at an intersection of deep learning and neuroscience. So, so uh, just want to understand your journey till now to start with.
1: Sure, perfect. Uh, Kodal, thank you so much. Also, thank you for. Uh, All what you are doing for the community, I think it's something which we all subscribe to. I go pretty often on Analytics with you and look at the latest stuff out there. So it's not just a website. It's it's something that carries a lot of weight with professionals contributing to it. So thanks once again for doing that. I think it's a very important thing for the industry. Thanks a lot. My background, well, I uh, actually... I, after studying physics and astronomy I that was in the beginning of the 90s I explored uh, I went into neuroscience uh, and and have been actually interested in a long since a, quite in quite a while uh, since I guess 26 years uh, approximately it's an interest for a long time and I think uh, uh, back in the 90s uh, you know I was in a different profession because essentially you would like to move into this industry but there were, there were no jobs there was not much going on in this industry. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, I was not really kind of interested back then, you know, you're young, you want to do different things in life. Yeah. So long, uh, then in the late nineties, beginning 2000, I migrated to the Netherlands after having worked for a long time in the, in, you know, oil and gas industry, mm-hmm. uh, and I did do obviously programming and all this stuff was coming up in the mid nineties. Uh, so, okay. you know, programming in visual basics, I wrote my first, uh, online real time monitoring system uh, and gas installations. So, you know, obviously the, you stay close to tech uh, and, mm-hmm. and it was always a fun experience. Uh, in 2000, I migrated or 1998, I migrated to the Netherlands and, and eventually uh, have always been involved in data transformation jobs, better be managing large data farmhouses with Oracle, in, mm-hmm. or moving into infrastructure space and understanding data from how it behaves and acts in the infrastructure space, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in lands, in man's, in PANs, so metropolitan active networks, et mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, so So that way I got more and more curious. Essentially, since the last 18 years, I've been uh, very active in the community as well. Since 2003, I've been active in the community, writing a lot about, uh, you know, different parts of data. Uh, manipulations and database industry came and went. It's still here. Uh, mm-hmm. Then came the wave of cloud computing, etc. Yeah, and and slowly, uh, you know, with Python, it was because also becoming a young a, a language that was maturing fast. So my interest went. I think mm-hmm. I guess it must have been year of seven or eight ago that I took more active interest into it. It came back into this industry, mm-hmm. and and then having I did one uh, startup uh, that was more focused on uh, social computing, so getting and understanding how natural language processing and social analytics data. This was I think uh, seven, uh, six years ago, and then you know got more and more curious, and then actually went back into the field that I loved, the physics and, and math, and, and then eventually seeing the value that math can provide, especially with calculus, something which we had just sort of learned it theoretically in school and mm-hmm. university. And also having worked and taught at the university in the Netherlands, in the north, in Groningen, uh, it gave me also more intuitions as to you know so how do I combine uh, the neuroscience, which is was my passion for a long time, and and also mm-hmm. teach uh, in in a way that you can give it back to the industry. And obviously the applications of deep learning, as you right now today, the industry is going through a big churn, big revolution. Uh, but I think. This all led to. You can maybe in a nutshell, you could say it all led to uh, the intuitions, the the continued passion. Once in a while, once in a while, we leave it uh, in the freezer, as you say, because <laughs> either there's no job or there's something else going on in your life.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: uh, I decided actually two years ago to give myself fully to the industry. I have never done that because this may be interesting for. The audience as well. What happens is you always have a job, something that keeps you away from doing something revolutionary, something in which you can break the barriers and go across different regions, meet people, take a lot of risks, but also at the same time meet very encouraging and passionate people. Stable mm-hmm. jobs with high salaries tend to keep mm-hmm. you away, right? Right. So I kicked that bucket, I moved out, and since then it's been amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, uh, you know, with Deep Kafka, I was also launched out of, uh, was born out of this. Uh, This labor of love and passion Mm -hmm. and and meeting industry leaders across the world, I came closer to this vision. How can I combine these things that I always wanted to do since I was a student? And so how do you bring uh, to apply these deep learning into industry? Mm -hmm. How to do research to keep learning because it's a constantly evolving field. And how mm-hmm. can you give it back to the world, meaning, you know, selflessly? So how can you do that? Can I be that same person? Can I be a person who can have commercial interests to save and serve the industry leaders with their AI ambitions, but mm-hmm. also serve selflessly to people who may probably not have enough money to, uh, to to follow an education or who sometimes spend a lot of money in India. There are many kids, many, many kids who reach out to me asking, should I follow this education or not, guiding mm-hmm. them so they've and they get accreditation and certification so it's a
0: combination of
1: passion and and intuitions uh, and and a lot of math but also love
0: <laughs> oh, wow that's that's uh, you know really inspiring and uh, you know a couple of things which kind of stand out to me so one is you know just the amount of uh, diverse experience which you have been and then you're still kind of carrying that passion and all of that kind of coming together. So almost like, you know, you you always say that you can't join the dots going backward, but, but the kind of uh, experience and the diversity you've seen is, uh, is amazing. And, and the second part, which I can relate to a lot, uh, high degree is, is the, entrepreneurial journey which you just mentioned so i'll pick up both of those shortly uh, as i said in the first part that uh, you know you were uh, you've been in multiple backgrounds multiple kind of roles you've seen this industry evolve so uh when did uh, you come across deep learning as a specific field? And, and, uh, and you must have seen multiple, uh, let's say, uh, cycles or fads in industry. So, so what were your initial thoughts about deep learning? And uh, how did you perceive it when you came across it uh, initially?
1: Yeah, interesting. This is actually really interesting. Back in the 90s, these uh, you know, deep learning or whatever used to be called expert systems or expert networks Mm-hmm, Not neural correct. networks, but expert yeah. networks.
0: Yeah, this so, was the time when there were automated trading banks trying to do trading using neural networks. And, and for instance, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, this revolution actually. Okay, in the beginning of eighties, I was too young, but I had understood that in the beginning of eighties there was a lot of revolution when David Marr uh, he yeah. published his book called Vision. Right. So David Marr had this ambition of bringing computational uh, biology. And computer vision together. Now, this mm-hmm. was a uh, tremendous inspiration also for uh-huh. Jeffrey Hinton. Mm-hmm. He was a young guy, you know, it, same sort of, it's also almost like a 10-year cycle. There were no jobs in the beginning of the 80s. He had done AI from the University of Edinburgh. Right. So this inspired him dramatically. And, you know, so there are many things came and went. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, the introduction was in the mid-90s, just before the Lynette and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'd observed it, but I said, okay, fine, you know, I'm not interested. Then 10 years later, in 2006, then I, you know, when things were getting much more serious with Deep Boltzmann machines, etc., RBM and all that stuff, mm-hmm. then things started getting really interesting. And I started paying a lot of attention, although mm-hmm. still not sort of jumping into it because I was enjoying my sort of, you know, phase uh, teaching and working at the university, uh, oh. although, you know, also focusing on many different areas. So infrastructure was cool actually back then. Mm -hmm. You know, because things were happening. Virtualization was a lovely technology where you could do big things with it. And so I I kept an eye open, almost Mm -hmm. a third eye, played around a little bit. But still, there was not much going on. Mm -hmm. And I think essentially five years ago, it came into full force. And if you ask me seriously, I think it's only just three years or something ago Mm
2: -hmm. that it's
1: becoming something really that's driving the industry dramatically right so so i think it's you can say maybe 12 years ago i took serious notice and maybe 8 years ago i, I started looking into it mm-hmm. and 6 7 years ago i went serious obviously with my startup the second startup i did
0: okay interesting and uh, the other part which you mentioned that uh, you know this uh, uh, venture which you are doing Deep Kafa so it sits at the uh, intersection of uh, academia plus uh, commercial uh, entity so can you tell a bit more about that because uh, you know that's that's actually an interesting uh, space where uh, ideally I think more people should be there where you're you know constantly researching new things but at the same time balancing it with the industry but doesn't happen in real life so so can you tell a bit more about that and how you are managing that
1: yeah so first of all it is uh, quite a intensive and a demanding kind of uh, let's say 300 monster you want to manage mm-hmm. uh you're right because if you're in the enterprise space ideally you should be five years behind the curve hmm Because they adopt always much later when things are commoditized, standardized, they have decent pricing. So, you know, being, I have, I didn't give you much introduction on, so I've been into, spent a few years in the high-end strategy consulting space working with companies, uh, you know, that uh, compete that are in the same line as McKinsey and Boston Consulting Group.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Learned a lot of uh, good skills. Uh, mm-hmm. To 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 really bring value to the chief executive and chairman of these company. So I have a long list of people in Europe who I know who were very thankful to yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And and then the entrepreneurial side with my first startup, which was a management consulting startup. This mm-hmm. we launched in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, there I got a lot of entrepreneurial sort of fire, even from people like Mark Benihoff, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the CEO of Salesforce, yeah, Salesforce founder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. he was very kind to us as well and we needed back then some sort of you know recommendations and also introductions mm-hmm. uh, he helped us also sort of you know contributing to one of the thought leadership book we wrote so i have always kind of tried to understand that why does it take time for actually industry leaders and even enterprises to adopt curves why do they always have to wait until let's say some kind of an American uh, software industry rolls down the stream and you're at the bottom of the hill, uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, not even tasting anything of that Kool-Aid, but just mm-hmm. taking some things and basically always behind the competition. Mm-hmm. So I thought, hey, listen, so I have a researcher background. I love research. I have also written many research papers, actually also in cloud and all will many papers. You can search mm-hmm. and find that. So I said, I want, I want to do breakthrough research, like capsule networks, for instance, mm-hmm. and how do we quickly make a short route or shortcut and and continue to talk to the CEOs who I work with
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and try to convince them that, hey, listen, you know, you can wait five years or you can do a little bit of investment and already in your infrastructure, get, you know, the best and the latest uh, deep learning infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And start working on it because you know this is what Google or Facebook or, or any other company does. They're not doing anything magical, right? No. Uh, so you know you have the right people. You pay enough, they won't leave. You know, have simple basic principles. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. basically, combining these two uh, makes or made it to me a lot of sense because I questioned it all the time. Yeah. And for good reason, you understand. You know, research relies on investment. Research mm-hmm. does not build make money for you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. traditionally, research has been sort of arm that universities have nurtured and, you know, enterprise don't. Mm-hmm. But now, as you know, this trend with Google, Facebook and all these companies are, you know, literally draining the European and, and English, even Chinese uh, uh, intellectual uh, capacity from the universities because they're mm-hmm. offering jobs to really people who are smart. Yeah. So someone from Oxford, someone from, from Munich University, Amsterdam University, they just go and take jobs there. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So in a way, it's kind of really scary because so, so this is driving many systems empty. Mm-hmm. I continue to worry that enterprises and the chief executives and chairman will listen to me at least for what I have to say, if it makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That, hey, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I, we don't want to continue to rely uh, because eventually our ecosystem is all wells are uh, draining one by one. Yeah. So it's more of a difficult mission. But Mm -hmm. uh, it is, you know, you have to drive it. So driving is something which I'm doing it with a lot of passion. And also a few very, very smart researchers who are working with me with different backgrounds and mechatronics, mechanical engineering, robotics, Mm -hmm. neuroscience. And the third part is the philanthropy. And I said, okay, you know, it's very nice to retire at 65 when you have become Mm -hmm. an industry leader, stand on some big stage and make a fool of yourself and actually lie to the rest of the world that you care about or people. (laughs) I said, you know, this is one life I have. I mean, this is really, this is the reality I was faced with. Mm -hmm. So I said, in this one little life, you can either, you know, consume the goods of the earth. And eventually when you're retiring, you start making nice smiles and meet poor people, you know, quote unquote, poor people that I Mm mean. you know, and basically make a mockery of what what basically you should be doing this. I said, okay, I'll do it full time. Mm -hmm. And philanthropy, I'm going to drive it. And and I'm going to make sure whenever people call me, I'll just go there, even if it's war-torn areas like Syria, Iraq, uh, in, in any place in the world. I'll just go. I'll, I'll risk my life. Mm-hmm, uh, but mm-hmm. obviously, you know, it's, it's a bit traumatic. Obviously, it's all safe. It's taken care of. There's United mm-hmm. Nations and many other organizations. They help you ensure you have safe passage. And besides, there are companies like Recoded uh, in Turkey, very good company driven. They're beautiful people who, who make this happen.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: so I'm not doing it myself. So I talk to these people who are you know, also super driven. Yeah. In Tunisia, there's another company. So you have to find soulmates in these things. In, mm-hmm. you know, so there are soulmates, enterprises who believe in this mission,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who are the chief executives and chairmen and women who think that I make some sense. Mm-hmm. There are soulmates mm-hmm. in research who believe, well, we can make this difference. And there are people who are saying, okay, you know, if there's a kid or there's, you know, there's a girl who's in trouble or there's some other problem, we'll call you. I said, if you call me, I'll come. I'll just pick up my bag and I'll just come over and we'll teach everybody deep learning.
0: Yeah. Great, great. And, uh, you know, if I were to ask you, so let's say if I were to draw out a spectrum where on one end you have enterprise ready softwares or solutions, which are like, as you said, at least five years behind the latest technologies. Actually, it might be 10 or 15 years. And the other extreme is cutting edge research happening in either academia or, uh, let's say, some of the companies which you mentioned. So when you go and uh, take your offering to uh, your clients where does uh, uh, you know your offering sit in this spectrum is it like the latest cutting edge or it's like 2 years before the cutting edge so, so uh, where does your offering sit in the spectrum
1: so th- th- to be very fair obviously you know uh, it's it would be foolish to say let's adopt capsule networks and let's ignore cnn architecture or some other computer vision architecture Mm-hmm. If I have to work with, let's say, Honda or some other, you know, automotive company. Uh, so what I'm trying to do is not close or fully cut this five year, let's say, kind of an approximate five to seven year of this, you know, from cutting edge to becoming mainstream loop. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to bring it to a a way in which we start saying, why don't you try this experimental as well? It's almost like you're trying a beta function. You don't want it Mm -hmm. uh, or you want it, but you're scared to implement it. We understand it. Mm -hmm. But use this beta function. So by the time you are uh, approaching that curve, in fact, you will see the horizon much before you approach, let's say, the turning point. Mm -hmm. You would have already matured your vision and also you would be informed much, much ahead of your competitors. Mm -hmm. So this is already a great way for, you know, leaders uh, and engineering teams who we also train. So, you know, we help CEOs, uh, help them understand what an AI lab or ML lab should do,
2: Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm.
1: we are training the engineers as well. So we are creating, basically, you're just leaving people with some really exclusive stuff. Mm -hmm. and and something is really bleeding edge so i mean you know you wouldn't advise them to even implement it that would almost not be sort of practical Mm-hmm. So what we are doing is we are cutting short this whole vision. And so they, they start looking beyond. They start always looking at the horizon in a bit more realistic way, with binoculars actually, kind of uh, in a way that they see, okay, I know what I see. I understand what I see because I was told already two years ago what it is.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and so I think, uh, so that intersection is, I would say, it, you know, shortcuts, uh, it saves at least three to four years and gives them a huge competitive advantage. So it's almost like you know companies are saying,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we want to be like Baidu, we want to be like Google, we want to be like Facebook. You know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you heard all these leaders say that all the time.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and making it tangible is something no one talks about, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, management consultants are not telling or, or anyone is not telling these CEOs that, hey, listen, it's no big deal, actually. You know, just set up a small lab, put about maybe a million dollars, a million euros, and get three smart people. All you need is really three smart people Mm-hmm. And you know you can actually do a lot of things with that little capital that you have on the side,
2: yeah. and
1: so I think we are just trying to push them. and And the ones who are listening are are making tremendous progress. Actually, is, uh, I can tell you.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. How has been the, uh, you know, reception uh, with the CEOs? Because, you know, it's just like a high risk, high reward strategy for them. So uh, have you seen more openness and kind of adopting to latest technologies or experimenting them in the last few years? Or it has always been the case that people were open, but uh, they didn't have a avenue to do these discussions. What's, what's your view on that?
1: So, I could say uh, from the chief executives and the CXOs, or COOs or CIOs, and all these other C-level C-suite people, mm-hmm. until three years ago, there was an openness, but not a willingness. Mm-hmm. So, okay. and that not willingness was coming because they did not know what they were saying,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, I can imagine I wouldn't be willing to jump into a well either if it looks like a well. And if okay. someone says it's not a well, it's actually bungee, you, you know, you have all the strings. Mm-hmm. That's different. Surprisingly, although it's a very small percentage, to be very fair to all the demographics of the chief executives across the globe, uh, in the traditional enterprise space, for example, telecom company, manufacturing company, internet company, automotive company, these are the ones that I'm right now working with. Um, uh, one example is, for example, uh, the chief chairman. This is not even chief executive officer. Mm-hmm. chairman of this large uh, telecom company gave a lecture on machine learning to his 30,000 plus staff. Yeah. And this is like, this is amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when he's, when you're talking about XGB, when yeah. you're talking about <laughs> logistics regression as a chairman,
0: as a chairman, so he, yeah. <laughs> he
1: had a, he had a technical background. Mm-hmm. So, so he suddenly changed the whole equation of this company. So, you know, you see that when the when some people take willingness to the extreme, and mm-hmm. I'm his fan, I mean, I said, I'm going to work with you no matter what, you know, because you're the best. I mean, mm-hmm. you're driving a vision, which I sort of, you know, it's, uh, it's, I'm inspired by. Mm-hmm. And some people, for example, uh, what companies are doing is they're hiring bankers, et cetera, you know, who have very good commercial sort of background, understand balance sheet dynamics. Mm-hmm. They're, they're pulling these guys into other industries, like, you know, lagging industries, like manufacturing, et cetera. We know that. With autonomous vehicle and, and all these other new revolution and ADAS, uh, automated driver assisted systems, etc., mm-hmm.
2: you mm-hmm. will
1: see that many companies uh, in manufacturing, you know, whether you are a supplier of equipment, whether it could be, you know, ball bearings or any other product, you need to be very careful with how the world is going to change dramatically. You know, undercut you, literally bypass you. If you are an automotive company yourself, you're not Mm -hmm. paying attention, you are a direct hit for any company that is making this move. Mm -hmm. So these kind of CEOs may not be technically aware, but they are strategically super aware.
2: Right, right.
1: So one of the CEOs I'll be supporting uh, is running a $20 billion company, and they have this global plan to set it up and basically drive this digital and AI revolution. Mm-hmm. And so there is a willingness and some people go to the extreme who are like super awesome. And mm-hmm. some people know strategically exactly how to go because they've done it in an industry that is run by pricing and you know, financial metrics. And these are also like amazing people. So, but it's a very small percentage. Let's be very, very uh, fair, I, I guess, maybe sure. 2% or something mm-hmm. very small.
0: Yeah, and uh, alongside this, you also uh, you know kind of stay up to date with the latest uh, research which is coming out because that's that's basically feeding uh, the cycle. So uh, uh, you you do that by following research yourself, or I mean, is there a kind of research unit inside your organization? How how does it work?
1: So we have our own research arm. Mm-hmm. We are calling it, uh, at least it's a beta program right now, we call it, we are calling it a deep remote residency program, so deep RRP.
2: Mm-hmm. What it
1: uh, basically does is we identified that, you know, so if you are done with your master's or PhD, you, you know, if you're very smart, uh, you will be found by Google or someone else. If you're somewhere halfway and have a great idea, uh, you know, you can go and apply to these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are someone who wants to change and dramatically transform the world without being, you know, sitting in some golden cage which Google or Facebook has created in terms of a high-end salary,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you believe in your principles, you have some, you know, strong ethics to change, you know, uh, AI from from policy or technology or you know or any specific area like automotives or computer vision mm-hmm. or text analytics, uh, then we are more than happy to pull you in into this program. We already have uh, about uh, five, four people uh, right now.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: are going to be pulling in some really smart people also from China. There are some people in the pipeline. And we have about 150 applications or probably wow. more. It's going really dramatically.
0: can uh-huh. so you take sure applications from it. across the globe?
1: Across the globe. So remote means you can be anywhere in the world. We provide you infrastructure. We'll provide you great ideas. Ideally, we would like, love to have you come with your ideas and intuitions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so basically, you know, going to universities when I give my lecture as guest professor, it's uh, also a way to also tap into this talent and, and show them what the world is, you know? Sure. I mean, yeah. it could be anything. A policy problem in the U.S., for example, is not being solved in terms of, you know, everybody's saying, let's stop this gun adoption. Mm -hmm. People are not saying that there could be very clever ways to use computer vision, some other technology to solve understanding the social semantics and the behavioral dynamics of communities,
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh,
1: and then maybe change this equation instead of keep fighting on the Second Amendment rights kind of thing, for example, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm reaching out to young people who are like 13, 14 years old who want to change the world. And then also meeting people at the end of the trail, which who want to really, you know, be independent researchers, want to continue to do these things. They could be employed by some firm, but their desire and the fire inside them wants to drive this research. Mm -hmm. And we pull them in. And, you know, so internally I train them also where needed uh, Mm -hmm. and help them home and sharpen their expertise where they are good at and have trained Mm -hmm. and probably are not getting much out of. Whether the job that they have and, and other things, you know, so there are people also from DeepMind uh, alumni. They're also sort of you know, very keen to to be part of this program. And we will be revealing some stuff in the next six months. So we have a great ambition. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. we are also sort of you know we we may also some having some conversations online and offline with uh, uh, with OpenAI dot mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. and and where there we're going to see some collaboration possibilities
0: uh, to to work together.
1: So you know. Anyway, we're, not, we're not competing. You know, we're saying research is something everybody should join hands
0: and make it happen. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. Interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, based on your experience, uh, uh, this is probably the last question on the deep Kapha side, I will then look no. at, uh, based on your experience uh, till now, you know, if you uh, were to recommend, let's say, top five tips to, to a CEO who wants to kind of start an AI lab or arm in, in their uh, company, what would those top tips be?
1: I think the top tips, I don't know if they are top five, but I can tell you definitely. So the top tips are uh, uh, you should start training your not only engineers uh, or researchers. Typically, people just focus on a specific like the R&D people mm-hmm. should be able to do this. I think look broadly towards your uh, workforce and there are many, many smart people who are doing some amazing things. The only thing mm-hmm. is they're not sharing the view because you, know, you haven't you know, identified or spotted or given them enough attention. Mm-hmm. So, so start training these people, start giving them the latest training in, you know, on CNNs, RNNs, GANs you know, from a technical perspective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Translate that to your business-specific problems and start telling them, okay, what can you improve in terms of computer vision? What can you do in terms of you know, natural language processing? Mm-hmm. and then translate another level up and and so that the conversation becomes understandable by the managers of these CEOs right the guys who manage these people yeah uh, in this matrix organization so you know translating into how can you you know drive sales how can you drive uh, you know user engagement how can you supply chain whether it is in your finance metrics etc mm-hmm. in, in marketing in in sales uh, in r&d as well how can you drive new innovation mm-hmm. So I think, uh, so go and look broadly and and start training these people today. Don't waste any more time. Start giving them and training them really, really today. So that's one. Two, Mm -hmm. I would say, please go and educate yourself on this. Take extra steps. Take a book, download it. And, mm-hmm. and no need to start looking at those soft books, you know. Go just past it. It's, it's something we all have that similar background. You are a CEO. Maybe you're pushing 50 or 60. I'm reaching that age myself in a few years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, don't worry about it if you think, uh, you know. So start reading some hard books, meaning mm-hmm. uh, well, what is technology? What does it mean? Or what, what will it uh, do for me?
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: in getting informed yourself uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and taking some action, maybe that's the next big thing that they should be doing is take some mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Uh, start small need to start looking at big investments start talking to big vendors you can take a small decision based on mm-hmm. very simple sort of a problem that you want to solve mm-hmm. it may be even just fifty thousand euros you have to or dollars you have to spend yeah. to to get some computing capacity tell people to do some projects
2: mm-hmm.
1: three is create some kind of uh, awareness within your organization based on no matter what little you know you know become become mm-hmm. become vulnerable like all your employees actually are they are vulnerable mm-hmm. To yeah. the industry shift that is happening, mm-hmm. so when your industry is shifting uh, you know instead of you know uh, taking some drastic measures like firing people, which is a big problem in this mm-hmm. industry today, invite invite them so they become part of this revolution challenge mm-hmm. and change, help them change by becoming vulnerable yourself. It's mm-hmm. difficult because you know you have a leadership, uh, I guess, training from Harvard, which you cannot share, <laughs> you cannot brush <laughs> off. But mm-hmm. believe me, I mean the the new world of leadership is to be vulnerable and to make this change happen. And your people will love you, and they'll come with you, come to you with so many improvements and problems mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you will say, "Oh my God, uh, I should have known this." You know. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, and you know, mm-hmm. so basically, technical awareness, uh, uh, business awareness and changing your leadership for These are the top three things, actually. Sure. You know, sure. Because in this tech, tech keeps coming and going. You have to just yeah. be sort of ready for it.
0: Right, right. That's true. And then how big is your team now? And then how uh, how many uh, people do you have?
1: Sure. So today we have about eight people, excluding mm-hmm. some external uh, people who are supporting us on, you know, putting our legal stuff and all the structure of the company, sure. managing sure. our admin and finance and all that stuff. Mm-hmm and so right now we are yeah you know, we're still small i mean you know mm-hmm. in the inception of this swarm was in january this year so it's not mm-hmm. like you know we, we have actually a lot more demand but we, mm-hmm. we have to you know move into also make some investments and so we have invested a lot in it already me no. and my co-founder know, mm-hmm. and so we are right now looking at building the structure. Expansion plans are also becoming, you know, with demand coming from the U.S. and China. So, you know, we have to think really like, okay, <laughs> how to do it in a way that you sustain it. You know, you don't, don't run into any other sort of problems. You look beyond European uh,
0: jurisdiction. Sure. Uh, so the next thing which i would want to you know uh talk to you about is is your social media presence so uh, uh how much time uh are you able to you know kind of spend on interacting with people on linkedin because you are one of the biggest influencer and then how do you manage that alongside your work
1: so i think it's almost like living and breathing i realized mm-hmm. that you know uh People need questions, people need answers to the questions they have, people yeah. may be anxious, and people do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you know, just like maybe, you know, what Elon Musk or other people do on Twitter, where they go very active, you know, this is how I try to use LinkedIn. So if I have a question, I always try to make a point to answer that.
2: And, yeah.
1: and, and if it could be, you know, something really serious question, then I tell them, hey, send an email to me. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. if there's a long question i have some prepared answers which people can quickly start taking action on what i advise Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: so i I, I, uh, yeah so it's it's not like i start okay so spend two hours a day Mm -hmm. it's kind of uh, quite uh, Mm -hmm. on the the go and Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't rob me from the focus that i need when i'm writing my research or um, or, or, you know, on a project or preparing the next project for the client or next training session or curriculum that I'm preparing for. For instance, for instance now we're heading to Sweden and Copenhagen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess it's, you know, make it a part of your life and you get used to it. You you should you should like to do it, right?
2: Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, it's
1: not something, you know, it's not the scripted practice, which uh, in, uh, LinkedIn used to have. You know, you will you can buy and influence your tag <laughs> and, and basically you're posting crap. Yeah, You know, yeah. it's, it, it does disservice to, to who you are yourself, because mm-hmm. I think any CEO who has, uh, influence here, that little blue logo, mm-hmm. I think they are inherently very be- good people, right. but you are just saying things in a scripted way. No one knows who you are. And mm-hmm. when you're natural, then you don't, have, you don't have to worry too much about, uh, you know, that I don't do, I don't want to do this or anything.
0: Right. right.
1: Okay. Yeah, just being natural, just enjoying this process.
0: Sure. Okay. Okay. Great. And uh, in terms of, you know, uh, teaching work and in book writing, so, so uh, you you were one of the mentors at the deep learning uh, a specialization, deep learning.ai. So, so how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And then uh, what was the work which, uh, which happened as part of that?
1: Okay, great. Yeah, that's a good question. So I don't know if the sequence was the way I will describe, but mm-hmm. I think uh, someone had raised a question on Quora. Mm-hmm. That what is the use of you know I, you know is it useful, so mm-hmm. um, so I think I wrote a very long not a thing, but uh, a long sort of an objective analysis of the current state of the MOOC and compared to the the the, the traditional classical industry of education mm-hmm. because I've been in education I've run a bunch of MOOC platforms as well when I was managing uh, you know I was responsible for managing a large learning management system mm-hmm. at the university as well. So I said, okay, yeah, it's great, but I'm not sure if it's really going to help because the one, the mode of operation and two, the kind of uh, uh, teaching, uh, the way we try to teach people is, you know, uh, give them a lot of spoon feeding and see if we make, make it happen.
2: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
1: then I got an invitation from, from Coursera to be part of this venture community. Uh, mm-hmm. So I thought about it for a while. I said, okay, I can complain. I complained on Quora <laughs> and it's very easy to complain and sit on your ass and do nothing. So I said, okay, so I'll be part of this revolution and try to change it. Mm
2: -hmm. So,
1: so basically, well, what what did I change? I didn't change anything because Andrew and his TAs are teaching it. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to bring in is a lot of engagement uh, through me. I mean, it's not even sort of, you know, everybody works differently on Mm -hmm. on Mm Coursera. So, so I'm trying to connect with people and they reach out to me on LinkedIn and then they ask questions. And some people have become friends. Some people are, for instance, one of the mentors, Mm -hmm. Gorsera, is not my researcher in deep mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. sometimes there's talent that is just sitting out there and learning something
2: mm-hmm. so
1: in the so so uh, yeah i guess you know it happened kind of almost together so my quora article became quite popular mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then then somehow i guess you know this happened and then i said okay well you know so there i spent maybe an hour or two uh, mm-hmm. looking at some specific problems across uh, the specializations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the neural network the foundational training uh, that's where i try to spend most of the time you know uh, starting from encouraging people to join
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and welcoming them to answering specific questions where people may have on deep learning privately or people send mails. Sure. so yeah it was yeah it was a great way and book writing was uh, was something also that was happening back then Although Mm -hmm. I must tell you I can be very open. It's going a bit slower than I had expected. (laughs) (laughs) There is something suffering also from this whole, you know, phenomena. So I should not try to pretend like a superman. This Mm -hmm. is something that's (laughs) going a bit slower than uh, I would have liked.
0: No, I mean, writing a book is probably the, you know, uh, it requires a lot of commitment, at least, you know, six to oh, eight man, months of yeah. dedicated writing, so I can yeah. understand that. So, uh, great. Yeah. But uh, coming back to, uh, you know, your uh, answer at Cora, so uh, through this MOOC, were you able to uh, influence uh, some of those aspects which you thought should change between MOOC or what should would kind of challenge MOOCs or? No.
1: Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, so I have, so I did reach out, uh, you know, to to the staff. And so I guess, you know, I guess I didn't even pursue it as much as in, okay, so let's Mm -hmm. change it or something. Sure. Um, sure. I think the way, how it is organized today, or at least looking at deeplearning.ai, you know, Andrew's vehicle, Mm -hmm. it's doing its job well.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: And, you know, it's giving you fundamentals and it's not telling you, well, you'll get a job right away.
2: Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the
1: fundamentals and your personal sort of you know investment in the space which should be a lot by the way yeah, so yeah. you know i i so that's that's something which which is fine where it is so mm-hmm. what i did do to change is that it gave me intuitions to create advanced curriculum and training programs through deep kafa mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. at the same time i was incubating this idea already in october september october uh and then you know One of the chairmen, he reached out to me, and then I was forced to create this curriculum. Mm -hmm. Actually, this is how it started. Didn't have any plans back then, so so then I forced myself to think, and Mm -hmm. and then we created some advanced programs, and we have programs in all these different disciplines today. Eight programs, actually, eight eight programs, starting from basic deep learning and going into deeper into all these specific areas like CNN, etc. And Mm -hmm. then then I have two advanced programs in which I create an applied AI advanced program that connects these solutions to, to industry specific uh, sort of problems that the enterprises have. So mm-hmm. basically closing the loop. So sure. it gave me intuitions what was the gap, which Borussia uh, cannot fulfill because it's customized, right?
2: Mm-hmm. An advanced mm-hmm.
1: program for a manufacturing company is very different from that or some other industry. Mm-hmm. So so this is this is the driving force actually of our, our deep coffee. And so i got sort of inspiration on what could not be changed there and mm-hmm. i took it and sort of created my own advanced training sort of curriculum
0: interesting interesting uh, and and when is the book coming out any any tentative dates when it is uh, uh, expected yeah. to be
1: so the book is so it was initially planned for, for in the summer but it's delayed so it's going to be september october time frame mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and i have a few contributors from from obviously, from our team, from DeepConf, all these researchers are now we're teaming up together as two so to make sure that we keep pushing chapters out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think sometime in October time frame, it should be published, but we all have to really, really work hard now
2: mm-hmm, and,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, and and make it happen. So we really, really are very driven to push it out, and that's why I'm starting to say we. So, you know, they are really super thrilled as well that they will be part of this project.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And, and, and I hope that there are no glitches, you know, but again, anything can happen. I mean, if someone comes with a huge investment and starts saying, you know, like, for instance, we are also working on a patent uh, on deep learning, uh, actually, specifically in AI. It's actually a very interesting concept. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things. It's That's the life of a startup. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah. My note to publishers: Please don't worry. We are working
0: hard. Sure, sure. The uh, other aspect, which uh, I guess you touched upon briefly before, was you know just open sourcing AI, and you know you you said you are working Hmm. or you're uh, hoping to work with OpenAI on some of these aspects. So, so tell us a bit more about that. What is the thinking and how are you thinking, how should the open source ecosystem evolve in AI and what could be some of the potential challenges uh, in doing that?
1: So open sourcing, yeah, yeah, so basically, as you can see already, a lot lot of research and actually essentially all algorithms that you have today are there for you to use and and to adapt and to improve and basically to run with it. Mm -hmm. Open sourcing frameworks like uh, TensorFlow and PyTorch already is giving so many of us, you know, already intuitions to start solving problems, to demonstrate whether internally into your office. Mm-hmm. or creates a simple solution like skin cancer detection or bone fracture sort of, you know, app which you want to write. Mm-hmm. So, so things are becoming really, really interesting. So so basically, you, we are already actually seeing the fruits of releasing research where mm-hmm. people spend a lot of time. For example, OpenAI.com, they have, what, a million-dollar investment. You have Elon Musk, Sam Altman, and a couple of other guys who made tremendous investments. You know, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Hinton's uh, protégés, they're sitting there running this uh, shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, well those researchers are making maybe you know sort of salaries in eight figures but mm-hmm. nevertheless you know they are driven researchers and and it's good to actually also sort of make sure that that continues this this uh process sure. by collaboration we are beginning to talk with them so we, we're probably going to see what we're going to do in capsule mm-hmm. networks there are a couple of things which you know uh for example the gentleman who wrote uh adam the optimizer yeah meeting you know those people as well uh, and soon we'll be having more conversations mm-hmm. uh, to see what, what what else can be used uh, to if possibilities to collaborate and or uh, see what we can learn from each other mm-hmm. because as deep Papa, our goal is also to to bring these solutions to the market and eventually you know provide open source our research as well mm-hmm.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. what
1: is patentable we'll you know we'll see what, what uh, how we can also try to bring it to the industry in its own way Sure. But, you know, after the patent, we'll definitely make sure that, you know, there's some interesting parts that'll be given out, released, so everybody can use it, basically. Mm-hmm.
2: You know? yeah.
1: So, yeah. I think, so I believe that if you do not sort of continue this trend, we will again end up in this closed world of, you know, vendor lock-ins and all that stuff. Correct. So, mm-hmm. from that perspective, I really believe that it's a great revolution, and, and we are equally thankful. I mean, you know, there are many things we use, frameworks for companies like Google and Facebook, etc., and -hmm. Research arm—it's you know—it's—it's a great process. Sure. So it's—it's basically sharing and giving each other and, and learning from each other as well.
0: Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, you know, uh, taking kind of a uh, uh, forward view and then looking at, let's say, next uh, five to 10 years, uh, among various domains which, you know, you have worked on or you have, you have uh, experienced, which domains do you think would uh, get impacted the most by deep learning and in, let's say, next five years? Interesting question.
1: So there is a presentation I have, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I gave these. You know, I gave the, the, yesterday. I was in Dallas, so it uh, mm-hmm. was the day before yesterday that I presented,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and, and it was. Uh, so what I'm looking from a jobs perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe not necessarily an industry. Uh, there could be that some industry will be diminished, mm-hmm. uh, even dramatically. For example, I don't know postal or some other service. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some kind of, you know, counseling, online counseling, where people, you know, sort, sort of different kind of industries, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They may they may vanish as more and more uh, sort of semantic and understandable and, and natural understanding, natural language processing comes into the place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so some may suffer, let's say, quite uh, extreme to severe diminishing, and probably even extinction. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I don't think that will impact too many jobs. The problem is jobs within the existing industries that need to, where people need to move and sort of into the other areas where the jobs will come, the new jobs. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So I would say, I think, yeah, essentially, well, I don't know. I mean, a ship builder who builds vessels and ships, he's not Mm going to go away. right? Right. But Mm -hmm. I think the jobs within those, if you're using all kinds of blueprints and understanding all the other dynamics of wind and water and all that stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, they will continue to build better products and services. And probably, you know, those things will be very dramatically changing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, yeah, uh, banking industry is changing dramatically, but I guess it's going to be hit by a different uh, sort of revolution with the blockchain and hyperledger technologies. Yeah. So I think... Yeah, so in a way, you can see this as almost like a Big Bang disruption. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So there are many technological sort of disruptions that are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, AI probably will be at the heart of them all. Yeah. Uh, so it could potentially also be that you know the industries will change and there will be you know their behavior and the way things will start operating is different, right?
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, so... It's I think it's more jobs at individual level where people need to start thinking of becoming, for example, a limb engineer mm-hmm. or becoming like a virtual police officer. Mm-hmm. Or uh, these are the things I'm mentioning from the infographic I had created based on a research statement run by two researchers from Oxford University. Interesting. And mm-hmm. And that was, uh, I think, the focus should be or being becoming a space engineer. For example, no one thinks about it because they think either it's something only NASA does. Yeah. But <laughs> believe me, it's th- these things are changing. Right. I mean, yeah. think of it from a industry perspective. The next ten years, maybe SpaceX is going to be a company with uh, two hundred or three hundred thousand employees.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: All super cool engineers doing amazing things and exploring, you know, the space like never before. Right. And yeah. and this is how you know big industries will change.
0: Right. So, uh, you know, uh, from your perspective and your experience, if someone wants to kind of get into deep learning and AI or uh, data science, whatever, so so, what should be the way to kind of enter uh, into this industry? What should people focus on, and then how should they look at developing themselves? Uh,
1: So, I think I would suggest, uh, and I give my personal example as well as you may have also sort of in the beginning. You know, you go through different phases in your life. Uh, Sometimes you're motivated, sometimes you're having some other challenges. So then Mm -hmm. you you have to focus on those challenges. Mm -hmm. It could be some prolonged problems, you know, staying out of a job for a long time also happens. These are real and reality. These are realistic things I'm hearing on LinkedIn from people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say, you know, there is something, you have nothing to lose if you continue to read a little bit every day. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, that time is not, you're not going to look back and say, what a fool I've been that I was learning about, I don't know, tensor calculus. <laughs> 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 I, know, I know it doesn't apply to everybody.
2: Mm-hmm. I, can,
1: I understand totally. But yeah. uh, I think you will never come out and say, well, I learned tensor calculus and now I'm, a, I'm selling ice cream. Believe me, you know, there might be some Good professor problem. coming to buy your ice cream and your theoretical understanding of what you know will blow people's mind away. So it's right. always a gift. Mm-hmm. Second, uh, my, my strategy would be to apply a dual pronged strat- strategy, almost like a two double strategy. Mm-hmm. One is to start with the basics and start understanding, you know, what are the foundations, etc. And, and the second is to jump quickly and try to do projects. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, GitHub has so many examples, you can pick up projects and start thinking and applying into your own industry.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, it sounds simple by what mm-hmm. I just said,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: it, takes, so it yeah. takes a bit of a while to organize stuff mm-hmm. in your head, organize stuff on your desktop, organize stuff on paper, organize stuff in terms of your planning and goal setting. Mm-hmm. so i would say you know keep moving and mm-hmm. start learning some programming language you didn't know okay fine okay so you, if you don't understand python and learn it is very simple easy to learn it's almost like reading you know it's not so mm-hmm. difficult mm-hmm. if you are already an intermediate professional move away from you know the regular doing stuff and you know from machine learning try to go deeper and then see what deep learning industry is going to be in the future yeah. yeah. Uh, identify projects that no one has identified uh, write some algorithm, an idea which you have in your head, you still mm-hmm. don't believe it but do those things so basically yeah. challenging yourself is the biggest mm-hmm. thing that is required
2: right.
1: uh, and sooner and sooner you will start connecting with your peers and you will mm-hmm. meet people mm-hmm. who will tell you who you, will, you know, who will listen to your advice and who you will seek advice from so could mm-hmm. make a path shorter because in any case it's a hill which is steep Right. So if you <laughs> say you spent six months just sitting on, I don't know, level two, it will remain steep. It's not going to somehow go away, right? right. So right. what I'm saying is, people, okay, build a top condition like a, you know, super athlete mm-hmm. and start running in. You know, we are already running, start moving, you know, just like, a, you know, you have those baby fashions, keep moving left, keep moving right, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a boxer, and okay. then you're already moving. Yeah. I think yeah. so. It, agility is key. Uh, mm-hmm. Mental agility is definitely key. And, uh, and to, uh, yeah, I think that's the best route to go fast because you know yeah. you shouldn't start taking a long route uh, mm-hmm. because this is very discouraging for people.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's that's actually a very interesting analogy uh, in terms of comparing yourself to a uh, to an athlete. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that definitely uh, paints it in a very nice manner. That you know you can't just uh, sit and learn; you have to apply, and at the same time, you have to keep moving. So.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know with, for example you know the videos sometimes even I know my wife she gets upset when I post those workout videos.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so I've been working out you know in the gym since I was 17 years old. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and the, the funny thing is, for example, even if you have to train your biceps or some other muscle of you know, mm-hmm. your body, there are ways to train it. So many people keep training to to make it. You know, the biceps is a muscle that is long. You know, right. it, it, so it's you know all the way it reaches to your mid arm. Mm-hmm. but you should be able to also train it sideways. You know, not many people know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So it's brain training your brain is also the same. So continue mm-hmm. to start flexing it in directions that you have never explored, and then you will start seeing the growth starts coming and continues to grow. Mm-hmm. And then the initial area of your growth, and this I'm mm-hmm. talking about muscular growth, but I think learning is also similar. So mm-hmm. you're stuck in the initial learning path and you say it doesn't come. And then you start switching and stretching it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And then you start seeing that the growth comes and it feeds the other growth that was stalled.
2: Okay. So
1: yeah. it's all, exper- I mean, ex- you know, I'm experimenting. It's not like I have some magic bullet,
2: mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's
1: working for me. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> 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 and then I can stay fit. And, and then yeah. I guess I'm able to do more also. So that's uh, unfortunately, I'm thankful for <laughs>
0: No no, 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 no. Uh so I think uh, uh, we are we have actually run out of time. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh just a couple of you know rapid fire questions. So so just answer sure. them with yes whatever and no. comes to your whatever comes to yeah. your mind, not not
2: necessarily. Yeah.
0: So if yeah, it was yeah. not uh, deep deep kapha, what would you be doing now?
1: Anything. I don't know. Maybe maybe <laughs> setting up my band and playing music or anything that would make me
0: happy. Okay. Okay. And if there was, uh, and still,
1: and still, and still writing algorithms, because I've been writing since 1992, so I wrote an algorithm back then as well on mm-hmm. on mind and thought capacity. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, maybe I think I'll continue to write. Math is the love of my life.
0: Interesting. So the, that that brings me to the next question: When do you think uh, you know we would be starting to approach AGI in in, in terms of timeline?
1: Uh, I think it's never, never going to come. Don't worry about
0: <laughs> it.
1: It's ridiculous if people are writing books on it. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, finally, uh, let's say your ten-year-old child, uh, you know, is starting to think about their career. What would be your advice to them
1: that they can all actually start already doing projects on GitHub? Mm-hmm really yeah i mean that's yeah that's what i told they were high schoolers in dallas they were like Mm -hmm. 13 14 year old kids
2: interesting so
1: we had this amazing outreach program from the university Mm -hmm. and dr vira sami he had invited parents Mm -hmm. and so i told them i said go join start writing so basically i'm saying if you have you know if you have this passion yeah uh you can already start contributing start coding Mm -hmm. uh, start playing around with it
0: Correct, correct. That's true. That's true. In fact, uh, uh, I mean, in fact, last week I was looking at some of the apps on uh, Apple App Store, and then you know, some of them were com- uh, coming from like thirteen-year-olds or fourteen-year-olds who, who decided to pursue that app uh, instead of kind of continuing their college. And it was interesting that these are some of the top apps on the App Store. <laughs>
1: imagine isn't it yeah. I mean, it's basically that's the beauty of this whole open source the discussion which mm-hmm. you initiated right because right. one software is there it's mm-hmm. easy you can you whether it's android development or whether it's ios you can download those kits you start playing around with yourself mm-hmm. and even if it's something very simple you know uh, you could put some model and put it you know to create something very funny it could be just you know it's yes or no some tinder like uh I like school. I don't like school. Anything. I mean, yeah. you know, which is popular in your school, mm-hmm. and it already becomes. Uh, it gives you a lot of sort of. It's very encouraging. I wish we had that.
0: <laughs> I. I <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> it's so things. So. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, I mean, I actually think I could. I, I should have started building things ten years back or <laughs> fifteen years back. Why Why you know, go through all the pain of studying and <laughs> graduating. If you can, yeah. Explain. But I mean,
1: you are building what you. I think with analytics, with you, I think mm-hmm. it's an amazing platform because you know you you have. I saw. I see. You also have all kinds of challenges and all kinds of things, interesting yeah. stuff. So mm-hmm. I think, li- like, yeah, it's not just ten. Actually, you know, maybe the analogy should totally change. We should be saying to people who are in the fifties and sixties, and you know, who have had great education, uh, that mm-hmm. you know, it's, age is totally a non-issue.
2: Yeah, I think absolutely. we should totally
1: remove it out of the equation. Uh, right. I think the mental and, and the advancement of everything that we have created today, mm-hmm. it can come mm-hmm. from anyone. It can come from the hands of a 72-year-old programmer who, for, really. who's, who's been doing this.
2: True. So True. I
1: think we all have to do this together. Yeah. So True. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely everybody keep coding keep programming it's fun you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just I, I just I just built TensorFlow sources now no. 1.8 <laughs> version. So you know um, all these uh, uh, you know uh, things also need to happen. You always run into all kinds of funny problems and then one thing is yes document so I'm learning to document better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a difficult one. <laughs> yeah. Great, great. Thanks a lot, Terry, for your time.
1: Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I, I guess we are hoping to bring the change. I'm committed. Uh, I uh, you know, I'm full of energy and passion. The people who work with me are passionate. I uh-huh. just hope that we can make it happen. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we could make something out of it. So thank you once again. Awesome.
0: Sure, sure. I look
1: forward to seeing beautiful things coming on analytics with you as well. So yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Thanks, thanks, Terry. Thanks.